Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a towering figure in Southern California punk, both literally and figuratively. His band's 12th studio album, Never Gonna Die, was released in April. And for those of you listening in Brazil, Chile, and Argentina, he will be coming your way later this month. Hello and welcome. Fletcher from Pennywise. Hey, buddy. Hello, hello. Show's massive in South America. You got here just in time. It is? Is that true? I don't believe so. Okay. Sarcasm already? It seems like... Um, we do pretty well on like um, like people working on military things that they can't disclose. Okay. I feel like I hear from a lot of people who are like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm doing this thing with the military. Really like the show." And I'm like, "What are you up to?" And they're like, "I can't I can't get into." Why it. is that? Why would they do that to you? Uh, I, I think they're bragging. It's kind of like it's pretty cool, but that's kind of mean. I'm dealing with it. I had a, a situation like that. Yep, one of those guys. D- do you? It was just one time, like it was random that you mentioned that because he was, he he was working for uh, Northrop Grumman, I think, and he told me that he knew some really bad things. He was like meeting with Donald Rumsfeld all the time, and he wanted to tell me about it at a bar. He was old before he died. He wanted to confide in somebody, and I actually said no. I I don't want to hear it because it started getting kind of scary. Did he divulge enough to make you scared, or did you just assume it was scary? It was definitely going to be something I didn't want to know. Yeah, but none of that shit ever pans out, right? Like, someday someday we're going to roll snake eyes, right? But we've all kind of met that guy at the bar who's like, you yeah, know, this was this. different. Like, we, it was a, we developed a relationship over like three or four hours, and he was like 70. And he goes, I really like you. And I've been involved in some, it was the Iraq War time period. He goes, I've been involved in some really uncomfortable things, and I want to, I want to tell you about them. And I was like, and there was another guy with us that I didn't know. And I'm like, no, no. I started looking around. Like, I mean, he definitely had people watching him for sure because he was like some high power military secret guy that just went to the bar and got drunk. He wasn't even from L.A. He lived in Frisco. He just came down to hang out in Formosa and cleanse his soul. I told him when I come to Frisco (laughs) to play a gig, we'll hook up. And then you can tell me, just don't tell me right now. Right. Because I'm like, you're in Northrop Grumman territory right there. And I was like, if you got top secret shit, I don't. Yeah, you want to you want to deep throat that guy. You want to meet him in a in a parking facility where he's wearing a fedora, the the brim that covers his face. Right, exactly. So I missed you at the uh, the Surf City Blitz. Mm-hmm. That was um, it made me realize just how much of a a fraud I've been for a lot of years. That was a big <laughs> punk festival that happened. It was kind of cool. It was on the beach. I'm glad they told us that so we could all, you know, your shoes are going to get completely trashed, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, that I was a DJ on the Faction Music channel and I was like um, interacting with people like yourself and the other bands that were playing there and playing your songs. And I realized that, I mean, I knew I didn't, I was lying and didn't actually know what I was talking about, but I realized that there's this whole world that I don't know, that's like, it's a thing. And now people have children and it's a whole, uh, It's it was interesting to see you guys are like all career artists and it's, weird. it's super weird 
there's families. It's kind of gross, right? Well, I wonder what you thought about that. I mean, the crowd, you can't, the crowd's cool. It's really, really cool that people grow up and don't have to grow out of stuff. You know, that's kind of neat about our generation is you have like a bunch of punk rock babies. I bought a onesie for my daughter. Cool. At a, at a punk rock show. But I was wondering what you think about, like, there are, uh, you kept it pretty real, right? And there's a lot of guys who are in bands, I'm not going to name names, but like who, it's kind of like they're going to do the show and then they're going to stop at Ralph's and get some milk and eggs on the way home. Yeah, we're not. We're not that band. No, no, we're, you're we're not. The, we're the like get the the rum back to the show band or whatever cocktail. Yeah. We we actually had a uh, hundred and seventy people for our backstage list, and I think possibly like Offspring's management heard that, and they were like, "No, no fucking way!" And they they clipped us like a hundred people like at ten o'clock at night the night before, so we had to call like a hundred of our friends and be like, "You can't come backstage." So. Yeah, we roll like that. We roll still like deep, like two, three hundred people backstage, as mm-hmm. much alcohol as we can buy or we can drink. Yeah. And we're definitely not going home for milk and cookies after the show. No. And I also like I just heard a lot of the chatter was about and again, I'm certainly not going to name names, but you guys are all in businesses and, you know, you're friction with your lead singer is obviously well known but i feel like that's more common than people realize in those bands i think it's sort of the rare band where the singer and everybody else don't hate each other <laughs> yeah i think that's kind of how it goes i mean it's not hate it's it's like detest is that a better word no. <laughs> it's worse than hate no it's just uh it is it's usually the guitar player and the singer for yes. the most part right yeah for a song, i don't know why because like, the, it's the alpha and then the, the, the vice president. I just want to cruise and drink some booze and play a show. But Seems pretty straightforward you know, to me. It just gets weird sometimes. But, yeah, you always hear, well, if you're not a singer, then you always hear from the other guys in the band, since I'm not a singer, so I get to hear like all the other bands complain about their singers. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, I got one too. Like, <laughs> you know, I voice, I voice my complaints, but I mean... If there's one person that you could fucking complain about it, it's me. Uh, about it's me, and my behavior is completely, yeah, out of line, as you know. So, Jim's got a, more than a couple legs to stand on when it comes to bitching about me, right? So. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny too. How I was thinking about you guys are not young men up there. In, in, whoa, on- whoa, check yourself, bro. <laughs> How it's just funny, like I, because I, I, I can't help but kind of try to put myself in your shoes. I was like in a band, and you know we had management, we showcased. Like there was a, there was a realistic little bit of a shot that we could have done a record and had a video, and then you know, and then I could have been like desperately trying to recapture something that never happened from when I was nineteen years old. And I've seen, I know a lot of those people where it's a weird thing about music that doesn't happen with like um, acting or whatever else, where you kind of get locked into a persona and you kind of have to be that. It's hard to not be that guy, and I'm not... See, you, I think you were kind of... I'm not just saying this because you're here. You were kind of going to be this guy whether or not Pennywise hit, but I'm not sure it's good for everybody else to be locked into their 19-year-old selves so hardcore. Yeah, I mean, I refuse to grow up, so I know we have, like, issues with... Like, when you start talking about stuff now, it's like you got a different perspective. Yeah. But I'm still the, like, fuck you, let's see some action, motherfuckers, like, yelling and just super embarrassing when I watch that shit back on on video. But, like, that's just what I do. It's just automatic. I'm not trying to do that as part of my act. It just accidentally happens because I'm just that 
asshole. Yeah. So I want to, like I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a big fraud. I've known you for over a decade, and I've sort of been pretending to know a lot of things about you that I don't actually know. So Mark Marin gets to do interviews where he just asks people kind of about their life, and I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity to do that with you. First of all, I will admit I've never been 100% sure how to pronounce your last name. Dra- draggy. I thought so. I was yeah. pretty sure, and I, and you know what though, I'm not. You know, I'm not the only one because I watched a bunch yeah, of your, oh. I, I watched a bunch of your interviews, and I was like, somebody's going to say it, and nobody ever fucking said it. The judges would always get it wrong in the courthouses. <laughs> well, everybody gets mine, yeah, too. Like drag. It's like, come on, this isn't look. You know how to spell drag, right? Right. Yeah. So I get Thule all the fucking <laughs> yeah, time. Thule's a good one. Um. So, like, what kind of what kind of name is that? Uh, it's Norwegian. Okay, and so you're from Hermosa Beach. And, like, it's really hard for me as somebody from the East Coast to understand that that was, like, I don't want to say shitty, but, like, middle class, lower middle class when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. How did that, I mean, people didn't realize that it was right next to the beach? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know how that happened. It's, like, literally, like, my dad, I don't know, my parents moved there in the 1940s or whatever, and I think strand lots were, like, 300 bucks. Like, literally. That are, like, 15 million now. Right. So... Same as like serious stock at three cents that I should have bought, but Will didn't call me. Thanks, Will. Yeah, I don't um, think if it makes you feel any better. If, uh, if Will bought any, I think he's unloaded it multiple times since then. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was like just a quiet like surf town, and it was everybody knew everybody. I mean, I started in Manhattan Beach and then went to Hermosa, Redondo, just kind of the South Bay we call it down there. It's like really all little small towns that are all right next to each other, as yeah. you know. I've never been really totally clear on what the South Bay is. I also nod and go along with when people say well, that. Well, most people will say it's Redondo, Herm- Manhattan, Hermosa, Redondo. And then you'll have some other people like trying to throw Torrance in there or like- Oh, fuck Torrance. Gardena or like, <laughs> you know, some other shit. And it's like, fuck no, it's it's the three cities. Yeah. And that's, I kind of basically just moved around wherever the cops weren't really mad at me. I just moved to the next city uh-huh. for a little while. Uh-huh. But I mean, you always, you go through them every day, like all three cities. Yeah, and right. Sleepy community and it just got- like totally overrun by rich people. Manhattan Beach started and now Hermosa Beach has it and it's like it's painful. How, Super painful. Like if you just like stroll down the main street there, how many people are like, "Oh god, there's Fletcher again. Cool, that's like our local, you know, mascot." And how many people are like, "You are single-handedly lowering my property value by being here?" Absolutely more to the <laughs> of the latter. Like when I go to Starbucks, like it's like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Why is he in here? He's got bad tattoos, like really bad." And, yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, well, I can and it's just that. like cut off Dickies on and what is who what is this? Right. So it's like basically like I love just driving around and bumming people out in my city. Making, and then out, you making out with your dog. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, you know, <laughs> it's like kind of like a new my new thing is just to like bum people out. Like I shouldn't be in here at this fancy restaurant because I don't look like I should be in here. And here I am bumming you out. This is, I don't know where, are you familiar with a movie called Hard Bodies? Not really. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> uh, it was... Uh... It was important to me uh, when I was a kid, and uh, I happened to figure out that it was filmed in Hermosa Beach. Neither here nor there. I'm the only person who cares about hard bodies. So you were- um, Hopefully there are women hard bodies. Yeah, no, no. That, and you know, it's funny. It was, it was the 80s. They weren't really that hard. Yeah. It's, it's pretty- It's funny what passed for hard back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were, uh, you were a bad kid, I gather. Uh, pretty bad, yeah. Like, what? how early and what form did it take? I think the first bring home from the cops was like five. No. Yeah. 
I threw, just threw a rock through the neighbor's window, like down the block. Mm-hmm. Back in those days, you could just like cruise around. It was like be home at dark or whatever. You know, there was no rules. Like there was no worries at, the, at those in that town. You know, you know, which is weird is that it's we now are away. I mean, I raise children. You have kids in your life. Terrifyingly enough, that um, it's actually quite a bit safer now than it was when we were kids. The perception has changed, but the re- yeah. and so is the reality in completely opposite direction. So if you're listening to this, you can let your five-year-old cruise around. It'll Just actually come be, home with the streetlights. It'll be totally actually. Fine. I, I actually I don't know why I like breaking breaking windows, but I actually broke one at two, and then my dad fixed it. It was like my neighbors' the houses were close together. I threw a rock through or threw a brick through it at two, and I remember it. No, maybe three. It's a strong. It's a strong three-year-old. I remember doing it though. My and, kid is seven. He could never throw a brick that hard. Well, it was like a, just a low, like bedroom window. And I threw it through there, and then the, my dad fixed it. And the next day, my friend said, or whatever, a couple of days later, I dare you to do it again, and I did it again. So I mm-hmm. pretty much started off like that. So, what do you figure is wrong with you? Um, probably like raging parents, like what? What do you call it? Raging alcoholics, oh. maniacs. Okay, but I mean, rad people. Your but, parents are crazy. Yeah, my dad's gone, so I could talk shit about him. Have at it. Um, but I'm just kidding. Of course. He, he was super rad, but he was a pretty pretty bad drunk. Uh-huh. Kind of like me. But were they, I mean, were they like you, or were they like, where the fuck did this one come from? Were they? Were they rapscallions in their own right? Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah. Were, yeah oh, okay. Yeah. They okay. Were, it was, I mean, I think it was just that, that upbringing. I think any kid that comes from like a home with like people that drink and party. Yeah. Profusely and like. And get, my dad was crazy. He was a giant Viking, and he would fucking smash everything in his path. Your parents are gigantic as well. Uh, my mom's not that big. She's like five eight, but my dad was like six one. Mm-hmm. So my brother was like six three or something like that. I'm six six. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a uh, yeah, one of those upbrings. So I was talking about it with someone last night. Like my dad basically taught me how to get drunk and break shit and be a fucking be a bastard. And he did a good job. So that. I'm. So naive and such a goody-goody, I was, I was assuming that your problems would have started at school, but you went straight to the authorities. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't, uh, breaking the neighbor's window and getting brought home by the cops was not that big of a deal. Like, my parents weren't that bummed at it. It just, it just escalated from there. Like, our house was just chaos. So you're like five, six years old, and you're just witnessing six nights a week of fucking hell at like 2.30 in the morning after the bars close. Like, a couple hours of like fight club in that time period. T-bone steaks, Fight Club, dishes. Like if the this is a, I'm just retelling the story. It's hilarious. If the dishes weren't done, they went in like a garbage can, and then they got dumped in the driveway, and then they got hosed down at like three in the morning. With a lot of couldn't even do the goddamn dishes. Like that fucking shit is ingrained in my brain because he would say it like four hundred times. So this was like a frequent occurrence. Yeah. It was like five nights a week. I mean, hopefully my mom would do the dishes or we would do them, but right. if we didn't, it was fucking game time. Every time. Or so, they'd get broken or they just whatever. So how far, like, you finished, like, high school, I'm assuming? Mm-mm, didn't make that cut. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a fucking dro- high school dropout. Oh, cool. When did I that stopped happen? Go- I stopped going to high school in, like, uh, probably, like, two years in. I just went there to socialize. Mm-hmm. I had like uh, a lot of I get like people like you the goody goodies yeah and I would just when you were when you were slipping I'd just get your backpack and I'd get your car keys if I knew you had a car and then you would think you lost them and then I'd just go to school like line and just troll the parking lot and find your '66 Mustang 
and then just go drink and smoke some weed or maybe some PCP and just cruise around for like four, five hours at like 15 years old uh-huh. and then bring the car back and park it and just do that all year. I had like five cars. So I do that. <laughs> you kind of have favorites I, at a certain point. And sometimes, like, I'd have to park it in a different spot, you know, because the spot would be taken. Right. But these people would never go out to their cars during class. They would never leave campus. Losers. So they would never know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, and I never, like, crashed any of them. I, I returned them in good working order. That's good of you. Um, so were you, did you have, like, a crew of assholes, or were you working solo? No, I had a couple guys that would roll with me. Uh-huh. I'd pick. I'd be like, hey, meet me here. So I just... I just kind of stopped going to school because I was just bored of it and playing punk rock and then had cars. I mean, you know, it was cool. And then I got expelled for stealing one of those cars. I got caught eventually, but they couldn't actually prove it. They proved it because my readmit slip was in the car that day, but the car was back. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, literally, the principal was, like, walking down with the guy when I was, like, 20 feet from the car. And the guy had found his car missing, gone and got the principal Brought him down to the scene of the crime, and I was, uh, he's like, oh, it's my car's back. And I'm, he's like, Fletcher, come with me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they found the readmit slip. Had f- how convenient. Fucking fell out, in my, out of my pocket in the car. So that was it. I was out. Most people like you, I feel like, are like part of the package is like, I'm going to get out of this fucking town. And, but you stayed in the fucking town. So do you still like see people that you went to high school with? Yeah. Tons. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's, it's super diluted with all these like bad, bad people, right. like people that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Went to the local bar last night. Didn't know one person. I think I wound up. Some, some people knew me, but like, not one person. Just total like douchebags telling me where they came from and how they got there. Like, just not not cool at all. But whatever. I, so yeah, we have like a group of friends, and there's a bunch of punkers still that hang around and. We all meet up and go to gigs and parties and shit like that. So there's still that contingent, but it's not. In the old days, you'd walk through town everywhere you went. You go to the restaurant, you see 10 people you knew. Yeah, you know, I'm from a small town. It's the same shit. Go to shit. the coffee shop, do this, go to the pier, whatever. And now it's like you see like two people a day instead of like 30. Because they all live in Lomita now because they had to leave because the fucking rents were shut out of control. priced out. It's, God, priced out. That fucking sucks. So you could not... I mean, well, maybe you could be have been listening to punk when you were five years old. What was music that you liked before you discovered punk? I'm basically asking you to confess to the shitty pop music you used to like. Oh, um, I never really liked music that much. Like, I, I didn't really connect with anything till punk rock, but I liked, like, I liked, like, Queen. Like, We Are the Champions and We Will Rock You. I remember that one. I liked, uh. I think I listened to some Fog Hat, which is super fucking lame to say. But I got like I started getting into like the B fifty twos and Devo and like the Flying Lizard. So they were Oingo Boingo. That was kind of considered a little bit punk at that point. Like people yeah. were calling it punk. Well, it was because like the the punk was supposed to be. You just keep on reinventing it. Like the shitty thing is like I, you don't have to comment on this. I'll say like a band like the Casualties, where it's like you guys are just running it back. There's nothing punk rock about doing a thing that was already done forty years ago, note for note, looking the exact same way. The punk thing was <clears throat> just go crazy, do your own thing, be yourself, and reinvent shit. And so I can totally see how the post punk stuff totally counted because it was fucking weird. And particularly in the case of Devo, it was Devo like, was for sure like I would classify them as punk rock. Yeah, they were just freaks, right? B-52s were just whatever, but, like, I got into the sex You liked pistols. a lot of flamboyantly gay bands as a child. I guess, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's cool. Like I got the Sex Pistols. Like there's a band called The Last that was from Manhattan Beach. Mm-hmm. They were like really rad. They were like a punk band, but they were kind of like you know, I don't know how to classify them in the punk rock world. But they were friends with the Sex Pistols, and so I got turned on to the Pistols pretty early. But it didn't really in like probably 78 or 79 and it didn't really connect with me that much for some reason how old are you then what in 78 79 how old you're trying to figure out how old i am i'm sure i could figure out how old you are i'm I'm sure it would be 12 okay wow yeah oh look at you (laughs) so i don't know what that means but uh means you got an impressive skincare regimen all right yeah sure (laughs) sandpaper and alcohol no uh so when i heard like Dead Kennedys and Black Flag and Bad Brains, like Rodney on the Rock, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I was like, felt like I was really connecting with music and then the lyrics as well. So, yeah. Teenage angst, I guess. So, the music thing, I was really exposed, like in a, I was aware of all of you all living on the East Coast, but then I was in Santa Barbara for a summer, a uh, hot bed of punk rock outrage <laughs> i love vista santa barbara but anyway like all the kids that were all about all your bands and stuff so i went from kind of just hearing of all of you to being at parties where i was constantly playing and to me it seemed like being only being familiar with new york punk that the big thing that made the 90s socal punk what it was is that your guys's guitars are basically metal kind of is that fair to say i mean i went that route like yeah. a lot of bands didn't but like i was yeah i i kind of liked Metallica right. and just kind of all, took their sound and altered it, but like threw, threw it into punk rock kind of. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because in New York, it was definitely like a never the twain shall meet, like you are punk or you. And yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why you guys got a thing going is because you were willing to mix the peanut butter and the chocolate in a way mm-hmm. that everybody else wasn't. So when was the first time that you were like, this is more than a hobby, this is like my current job when does music start paying the bills well i did construction like my whole life with my dad i think i started working when i was like 12 and mainly like electrical but then i went on to do everything so it was like that was how i was paying my bills and that's how i was buying guitar amps and whatever it was like work all day band practice all night we wanted to do something where like friday nights were boring because the punk scene was kind of dying down and there wasn't a lot of clubs left and stuff, so it was just about going and playing backyard parties, and we got a record deal with Epitaph eventually, put out our own record on Theologian, got a record deal, and then I remember getting a, my first check, so that was the thing where, like, we started selling, the first record sold okay, but then the second one, like, really sold, like, out of the, Epitaph had just blown up, Bad Religion, you know, Rancid, everybody, no effects, and I got a check for, like, 1200 bucks, and I was like the fuck is this and i'm like i'm not going to work next week right and then it, it just kept going from there and so it was like later dad sorry <laughs> find somebody else so yeah it was it was like just a slow turning point but it was like enough of a living in the beginning so i was making about the same doing construction as i was in pennywise so then it became a full-time thing then it was like let's go on tour now mm-hmm. i mean i never had a job where i had to worry about going on tour in general because I worked for my dad and I did like my own shit so it was kind of like but just having that money and then being able to concentrate on Pennywise full time was pretty cool and then when did you realize that 
Pennywise was going to be your job more or less forever. When that happened for like a year and the paychecks got bigger and then it was like, go, go to Europe. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we can tour and we can make money on that. I mean, the first couple tours, obviously we didn't make money. We were making 300 bucks a night, staying in Motel 6 is like, you know, sleeping in the van, whatever. But it was enough to like sustain for the first years and be able to do what you, your dream job is like going to New York and playing CBGBs and getting drunk. Like, okay, that's my job. <laughs> Bummer. So, yeah, it just never, once that first paycheck came in, it was like no looking back. Like, we just kept rolling and we kept pushing. And obviously, we weren't on the radio, we weren't on MTV. It was like an all underground. So, it was just like a slow climb. There was never like, oh my God, you guys got a gold record and here's your million dollar paycheck. It never happened like that. It was just slow. So, it wasn't like we got all heads all blown up like some bands do. Right. So, did you? You must have seen that, right? Because you're around people. Huh. Yeah. Again, don't name names, but like when I, I always remember hearing that the guitar player from Creed had a waterfall in his living room. Probably. Like when is the moment? You could name names when it comes to, with, like to Creed, Creed. <laughs> with to Mark Tr- Mark Tremonti. <laughs> I don't even know his name. I don't. I, I don't want to. I'm embarrassed that I do. God, what's your job? But do you like? Do you, were there a couple guys where you're like, oh, that's. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you know the bands that got big. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess if I sold 18 million records, I'd probably want a fucking Learjet too. Uh-huh. Maybe. Yeah. But I'd be doing like barrel rolls and shit for sure. Right. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I guess you're, how life works is you spend what you got on, you know I mean? If you're poor your whole life or you're middle, lower middle class and you start getting money, you're going to go get. Your favorite car and your favorite house and your favorite waterfall in your living room, right? <laughs> like if all your if everything you want is like right there, you know, for you. I mean, I think the problem with bands is like that get big fast. It's not necessarily like the things they buy or whatever. It's like how they start treating their fans, and you know, punk rock's like really pretty good. Like most of the bands are, you know, been pretty cool through all that stuff. I think, but you see like a lot of uh, not to name names, but like you see, mm-hmm. like I'll say like Bush, I can name that. Like yeah, fuck Kevin Rossdale. Playing the show, I don't know, I never met him really, but like playing a show with them, like we were partying it, we played, and someone else played, and then they're going to play. Like it's not like we were fucking on the side stage, we're on the main stage, we're like legitimate band, you know? And, and when it was their time to play, it's like, clear the fucking, dr- clear the hallways now, clear the hallways, step back in your room. Like what? Gavin, Gavin's walking, Gavin's walking. And it's like, fuck off. Like that kind of shit with me drunk is like just a recipe for, I'm going to fucking ruin your night. You yeah. Know? So when you see that kind of shit where people start thinking they're better than everyone and then they start thinking they're better than the bands around them, that's the most annoying shit. Like it's fucking yeah. really lame. It's got to be, I mean, you don't want to just be like, you know, jokes on you, but there's almost always a, a like a come down from that. And it's got to be uh, a lot of times it's got to be really fucking brutal. I heard uh, that Gavin wrote all the singles on that one album one weekend. I just I'm so fond of that fact. I was a guy who was in the band for a minute and it's like, can you just imagine just being some like shitty whatever guy in England and then one fucking weekend? It's just the stars I, like I know Jane's Addiction supposedly wrote all their like memorable shit one summer it can happen it just yeah, comes yeah. together in for one, you in five minutes I mean I've, we've I know I've written songs like 
something like Fuck Authority. Like, yeah. I mean, we all contributed to it at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, I wrote that in five minutes, and it's, like, one of our biggest songs. Do you know when you write that that this is, like, something better than everything else you got? This is going to be the standout? It was just jamming with, like, this my our old bass player's drummer in the room, and I was, like, making it up as I was going along. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, stopped. He goes, why can't, why can't we write shit like that? Because he's in band two and i'm like i don't know i just got lucky on this one he's like oh, fuck so fucked yeah and he we both knew like it was a good song and then randy came in and contributed and then jim goes i like it which is rare right so <laughs> so uh and then it and then he contributed and then we all you know everyone byron got in there and but it was like immediate like i was like oh this is cool yeah for sure like i mean it just you get that feeling you know do you still like get that i mean in all likelihood pennywise is not going to have like a mainstream pop number one hit at this point in time um do you still like write songs where you're just like it gives you that exact same feeling but totally because i mean i know it's not even recent anymore as somebody who just kind of showed up and wasn't around for the seminal moments like my favorite song by your band is western world cool that just fucking clicks with me and that's that's later like Mm -hmm. do you get that same feeling writing western world yeah i mean well I, that, that one, for example, I mean, I'll write a, a lot of music and then I'll give it to Jim and let him do his thing. But so I'll also work my vocal angle, which is like my instrument's broken. My voice sucks. So yeah, but so is Bob Dylan's. You can still write. Yeah. It's, it's hard to like get it to translate. But like Western World, I give him the music and then he sent me back like what he did. And I was like, this is like a hit song. Yeah. Like immediately, like just, whoa, this is awesome. Yeah, it just clicks. Every little piece of it uh, uh, clicks. What happened with the... Um, oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, too. So, like, you mentioned Bush. The thing that... The scene you guys were part of was so fucking hot for a minute, and whenever something is hot, it gets... Like, the the mainstream comes sniffing around. Like, do you ever... Did you ever find yourself in, like, green rooms with Christina Aguilera or, like, backstage at the VMAs? Or what was your brushes with oh, well, mainstream I mean- nonsense? Um, I mean, mostly just playing shows, you know, because we'd play these big radio shows with like Metallica and Bush and fucking, I don't know. I mean, you know how yeah. these radio shows are. They're like, it's everybody. Right. Alternative wise, you know. Well, you're a K-Rock band too, so you would have yeah. been up with all that shit. So it could be anyone from like, you know, um, why am I drawing a blank on that band right now? I don't know. Voivod. Fergie. Fergie and, and what's his what's his name? Uh the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, like we play with them. Like well, those guys were my bros. Before Fergie came in, they used to always come to the the bus and be like, Can I get some rum, Fletcher? When they were like in a van on the yeah. warp tour. Like we'd all drink together and shit and then they got popular and now I don't talk to them anymore. But Did you see him after? Because they seem like I don't know about Will. I, I it seems to me like it's very often the one who's actually the creative force who almost has a half a reason to become this egomaniac is smart enough to keep it real it's the other guys that get real swept up and i met i don't know which if it was app to app or the other guy and he was out of his fucking mind he was on some crazy trip he was really fucking high on being a member of the black eyed peas and i'm not sure he's ever coming back probably not yeah <laughs> i mean it's it happens <laughs> yeah but that's the th- like so at those i mean like obviously we've been yeah we've been in green rooms we've been here we've been there seen People like, you know, you meet someone like Pink, and she's the coolest fucking chick ever. Yeah. She came to our studio and, like, wanted to hear, like, a song and, or wanted to listen to the record. And she's like, no, I want to listen to the whole thing. Can you just play the whole record? I'm like, okay, I'll see you in, like, 40 minutes. Like, and, like, had, you know, full absorption and was super rad. And then you'll meet somebody 
that's totally lame, like Gavin. Yeah. But I don't know if he's lame, actually, just his security. But if you're letting your security do that to people in other bands, you're fucking lame, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, well, the guy who used to be in his band that was cutting my hair didn't seem too happy with him. Yeah. There might have been some other circumstances right. at work there. And uh, I've seen uh, a guy from, uh, a guy who was in a really, really, really big band who couldn't enter a room without somebody playing a boombox and burning sage. Like the boombox preceded him and then the sage came and then so he crazy. came. <laughs> some of the shit is so crazy. And it's like, I think we just remained humble the yeah. whole time because- we're just playing. I mean, we're not doing anything spectacular. We're just writing songs and bar chords and drinking beer and, and throwing a party. Yeah. So we're not special. I you mean, never it, had a dumb indulgence? You never had like the stupidest thing ever in your ride or anything like that? I th- like martinis. One yeah. time I was on a martini kick. So olive juice and vodka in a martini glass. Yeah, I can respect that. No, we've never. We've never. Well, we were headlining the Long Beach Arena, which is, was a big gig for us, like 12,000 people. And I put on the writer, like, I want a bowl of green M&M's, only green, because I heard Van Halen did that. Right. It was a joke. Yeah. And they they did it. They did it? Go- Golden Voice did it. It was pretty funny. That's they They beautiful. knew I was joking, but they right. did it anyways. That's odd. Supposedly, Van Halen, uh, that's like, everybody holds that up as like uh, rock star excess. I've heard that they only really did that because they wanted to make sure that they were reading the whole rider. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've heard that too. They were actually, they're open to any color of Eminem when it comes yeah. down to it. Well, they all kind of taste the same. <laughs> they the do. The <laughs> I think, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. You have a couple in my mouth at a time. <laughs> um, what, what, what was the deal with that MySpace album? Um... We were, it was, I just happened to be up at MySpace with someone else, uh-huh. and I kind of hijacked the meeting, or the the guy, this guy Jay Scavu was head of the, the record label. He's like, we need to do something with Pennywise. I was like, oh, we're on Epitaph, but we are actually free at that time to go wherever. And uh, we concocted the idea of giving away a free record. Yeah. So it was like- You two before you two. Um. Yeah, I think someone had done it before, but it wasn't entirely, like, it was actually the first entirely free record that anyone ever did like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we downloaded, like, 600,000, you could only get it for a week. Right. And you had to, like, give them your email address and sign up for, like, whatever the sponsor of the thing was, which is, you know, was what it was. But it was, like, the equivalent of, like, $10 million worth of advertising. If you were, like, Toyota and you came to MySpace and said... We want this placement. Like when you open the, the homepage, like it, they would charge you ten million bucks, and they were getting that, you know. So we got that, and we got like a deal where if they went out of business, we got our record back for free, mm-hmm. which we did because cool. they went out of business. Sweet. And thank you. Dot com bust. And we and we, you know, I mean, we were able to give it away, and that obviously hurt the sales. But like we got paid, you know, enough to make it like. We know we're not going to sell this record because it's free. Yeah, you got to be like in this ballpark. And then Epitaph was kind of pissed for a second, and they're like, "Wait a second, what the fuck is this?" And they're like, "Oh, how can we help? How can we be involved?" Uh-huh. Probably a little bit pissed, but like they co-released it with Epitaph in Europe and I think Australia, and then in America they wanted it by themselves, and it, it all worked out. And but it was it was an experiment. Do you feel good about it? Eh. Yeah, because it was weird because it was because it was MySpace, but at the same time, I get what you guys are doing. I almost wonder if like Spotify helps you. Guys. I know as a music listener, 
I there's a lot of artists like anybody else. That, like I like you know I like the first whatever two four or five albums, and then the sixth one got a little weird, and then I was just out, and they're just still cranking out albums, and I'm like, oh, that's fucking interesting. But with Spotify, you go, oh, shithead's got another album. It costs you know it's it's nothing to give it a world. Do you feel like your new stuff get, like your uh, legacy fans check out your stuff more so because they can stream it than having to actually go and buy it? Um, probably. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are into like playlists and they're probably like only picking one or two songs from each band, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't, I don't like the fact that like people don't listen to the whole album anymore. Yeah. Or go, go buy the whole album. I mean, they, I, they do still like right. now on vinyl or whatever, you know, but it's, I, I definitely, I mean, we have big shows, like our crowds are actually bigger now and younger. So what is, what is that? I think it's the lack of labels and the lack of people signing bands like before epitaph would be like oh you know offspring sold 18 million records i got a shitload of money what band did you bring me oh i love this is really cool casualties whatever you know yeah we're gonna put it out and we don't care if we lose fifty thousand bucks or a hundred thousand bucks on it because we have this big bank account now no one's selling records so there's no big bank account to take chances on young bands they want to see somebody that's got you know a hundred thousand um whatchamacallit, 100,000 Facebook friends or Instagram friends and how many plays and this, that, and the other, then they're like, okay, these are their numbers. Let's look up their Polestar. They're already out touring on their own. Okay, now we'll sign you. So MySpace became like the stomping ground for A&R guys. They didn't go to shows anymore. They just looked on MySpace and go, these guys have a following. Let's sign them. But that's not even happening anymore. So it's like... If you're a new good band, you don't really have the means to get your music out there other than yourself. Right. So I think when kids get into shit right now and they get into Offspring or they get into Bad Religion or Rancid, whatever it may be, then the next step is like, if you, I mean, if you put Rancid in your playlist on Spotify, Pennywise is coming up within five songs. Of course. So you get that and you don't get this garage band in Hermosa Beach that's really fucking good because you are never going to hear them, ever. Yeah, the algorithm's just not going to get them. It's wild, though, man. Like, people, nobody's finished anymore. It, like, you know Panic at the, you know Panic at the Disco, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're in, a, they're in Arena Act now. I know, I was just looking at their numbers. Like, they didn't, did they, didn't, did they really hit the first time around? I thought they were like, they were the Kajagoogoo to Fall Out Boys Duran Duran. They fucking sold records. I guess so. They sold records, and then, I mean... There's just not another Panic of the Disco right now. So, if you're someone, I wasn't aware we in, even needed one. Right, more but power to somebody. Them. But somebody gets into that that genre. They're like, oh, we got Panic of the Disco. We got Fall Out Boy. We have Jimmy Eat World. And then, like, where do you go from there? Like, you know. So, I think bottom line is for us, for <laughs> punk rockers, all these kids are getting into it, and they're getting funneled right to Pennywise or Bad Religion. And then you got a 15 year old in your front row singing like all your lyrics because. He couldn't get to the Bronx record. You know, it didn't pop up or some other obscure... Well, Bronx aren't obscure, but you know what I, know I mean? What like, mean yeah. It's like the bands aren't getting a fair shake anymore and because there's not enough money f- made from record sales for labels to warrant, you know, yeah. putting a bunch of money into an unknown band. It becomes about, like, brand recognition. Pennywise is a really valuable brand, and with all due respect, you know what I mean. It doesn't even matter if the Bronx or whatever happens to have a better song than you this year. You guys have the established. doesn't matter if you make a better soda than Coke. You're not Coke. Yeah. So good luck getting in the game. Yeah, it's it's good luck getting in the game, which is 
super shitty for music yeah. in general. And then people writing two good songs instead of like 13 good songs, another problem mm-hmm. in, in this day and age. So it's like you got to dig deep to find stuff. And there's definitely a good underground scene, but it, that underground scene might mean you sell, you know, like, I don't know, 30,000 records and go play like 500 seat venues or 300 seat. And that's like solid and good, but you know, you're going to get in front of 20,000 people. Probably not. Going to go tour Europe. Probably not. Yeah. You got, I'm sure you take your work seriously, but you got 12 albums, right? I guess. I I really don't know. Sorry. I believe that. I believe that. That's how serious I take it. I believe that's the number. Like, do you feel like if, if I just said the name of a, like track eight from like your seventh album, could you just hum it? Like, do you actually? No fucking way. <laughs> no way in hell. I was at a bar the other night and a song was playing. I was at my bar actually and a song was playing. I'm like, mm, that's pretty good. That sounds familiar. I'm like, who is that? And there it was. It was fucking a Pennywise song that I haven't heard in like 15 years, literally. And it took me like a verse and a chorus. I'm like, all right. This kid's and got I'm something. Like, Wait a second. That's Jim. <laughs> It's fucking Pennywise. Like, <laughs> I think we have 150 songs. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, if we're going to, out to play, like, the Full Circle record, of course I'm going to listen to, I'm going to listen to Full Circle. That's big of you. So there's a couple, yeah, <laughs> fucking intently, that was a hard fucking album to play. Oh, um, was it? We were like, we're never, ever going to play this record live, ever. Uh-huh. There's, there's songs, a lot of songs that never, ever get played because they're just too fucking hard for either the drums or the vocals or guitar, like... Just too fast, too crazy. It pulled it off in the studio one time. It's like, we can't play that live. We're going to slaughter it. But then we went and played those records live in their entirety. Yeah. First record, Unknown Road in Full Circle. Right. Um, it was pretty fucking awesome. Relearning those songs, I was like, what the fuck is this? So it was, it was cool, but... At least just guitar. I feel so bad for when the singer, like when the signature song is to sing the singer. What a fucking horrible feeling to just know that you are going to bum people out every night. You're going to go on the local radio station and go, yeah, man, we're fucking bringing it back. I'm so happy to be here. And you're going to go out and people are going to go, ah, and they're going to sit through all your shitty stuff and your new one just so they can fucking hear, you know, living on a prayer. And then yeah. you're just like, I haven't sung that chorus since 1991. Not a goddamn chance. Yeah. At least you guys don't have that problem. Right? Yeah, I mean, Jim, Jim writes in his range. Yeah, yeah. Um, so about three, four years ago, I had a brief phone conversation with you and, um, about doing a book and you were like, okay, I'll send you the first chapter tomorrow. Yeah. I didn't do that. I didn't, that didn't happen. So, uh, I still think this is a really terrific idea for a book. I'm just going to keep pitching it to you. Um, the idea being statute of limitations and I've been throwing that around to people. It's good. Yeah, so it's we just talk it's about it's your it's the it's the uh, it, this would go on the short list of seminal. If you want to understand punk rock, you got to read this book books, but it would have to be written in such a way that um, it could not be used as evidence against you mm-hmm. in, in a court of law. In a court of law. So ten, uh, ten years, bro. I think that's the statute of limitations on most shit, right? I did a little homework. Yeah. So I wanted to ask what sorts of things we might be able to cover if we're talking about 10 years ago. I mean, you don't really... Tr- you, the last 10 years, I would have to think, are the most mellow of your destruction career. Uh, no. Well, then we'll write a second book. Yeah. We'll wait another 10 years. Yeah. But like, if we were going to talk about, say, uh, destruction of property in a statute of limitations type way, what would be some of the bangers we'd be touching on? Oh. 
<laughs> what comes Come on, to mind? Oh man, like stealing, <laughs> stealing and burning cars, bad. When would this have been? Um, past ten years ago. Of thank, course, thank <laughs> but I mean, like, when was your heyday of stealing and burning cars? That was probably like, uh, like eighty to eighty, eighty to like ninety, probably eighty to eighty-eight. Let's say eighty to eighty-eight. I didn't have a car. So, I mean, or if I did have a car, I crashed it and burned it. And then, so <laughs> I have to get someone else's. Uh-huh. Yeah, bad, bad shit. I know it's terrible. Did you permanently borrow a number of cars? Permanently? Like, well, I mean, they like, were, yeah. Like borrow them from people without telling them you were borrowing them and then forget yeah. to give them back? Well, they would just be done. They would be crashed. There was no. Yeah. Every night of a stolen car ended in, <laughs> ended in like, driving through the school or like rolling it into someone's house down a hill or like literally probably burning it. So yeah, no, they didn't, they were destroyed. Yeah. I, Maybe I just sideswiped like 30 cars in a row down, down the block when I was mad at the people that lived on that street. And then that would be it for that car, obviously. Right. But those days are over. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, well, that's. I don't have to steal cars anymore. I have, I have ten. Do you really? Yeah, I'm a fucking car, a car freak. I guess, yeah. Maybe that's why I stole so many when I was younger. Good for you. What about drugs? I've never. What was your? Did you ever have a really bad drug problem? Um, I th- yeah, I think cocaine was a bad one. I was like dealing coke when I was like 16, and then good coke or bad coke. Good, good coke. Well, uh, cut, cut, of course. Duh. Yeah. But, uh, and then I smoked rock for a while. That was, I'd say that was bad. Bad scene. Yeah. It's good shit for sure, but it's a bad, bad is, scene. Is there good and bad crack? Um, no, it seems like it's all pretty good. Unless <laughs> you get like something that's not crack. Yeah. But at one, that was at the early stages of Pennywise and I wound up with like no equipment because it all went to <clears throat> the fucking pawn shop or whatever, however I needed to get the crack. So yeah, not cool. No, not cool at all. You ever bang it up? bang it up yeah oh heroin. shoot up yeah yeah I'll say no <laughs> I'll say no on that uh, I didn't shoot up heroin with Mike Ness ever no well because he would be a terrible person to do that with he wouldn't have any interest uh, himself most likely Mike Ness that's a good story you can't get into that mm, probably not mm. <laughs> it involves stolen equipment his band not being happy with him and him going to score dope no one went to go with him so I went so that's about it I see do you uh, like so I know you obviously have your friends who are just like oh that's Fletcher but you must have friends that were like oh that's Fletcher until they're like oh dude okay now I'm out like have you have you alienated people tons 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 and tons I'm sure (laughs) people fucking hate me yeah I mean I only like pick on people that I like actually like you know I gotta like you got to be in that wheelhouse and like want to play in that sandbox. But yeah. I mean, some people obviously don't want to play in the sandbox and they get dragged in accidentally. But yeah, there's a lot of people that are like have taken, they should take so much. And then I maybe cross the line some night and they're just like exited out. They're still like peripheral. Like, Hey man, how's it going? But they keep a safe distance. Yeah, they're fucking, they're not calling me to go out to dinner or out to the bar anymore. Cause, right, right, right. You know. It's like their own restraining order that they're like, keep a yeah. hundred yards away. Do you have uh do you regret any of this? Um, yeah, some of it I think so. I mean, 
It's not that big of a deal. It, it's just like, yeah, I wake up tons of mornings going, what the fuck did I do last night? And who's mad? And so, yeah, some of it probably is a little bit regretful, but it, there's there's lots of people out there to have breakfast with and go to the bar. I mean, if you if you can't... If you can't hang, if it's too hot in the kitchen, then get out, right? Is that the saying or something like that? Some, something to that effect, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I respect the people that had to, like, I mean, I respect my band because looking back on that, I've really toned it down, like, on the tour bus. Like, I saved my shit for, like, after the show, hopefully away from the hotel where the band's staying, and I and then I go crazy sometimes, but, like, I've being in close quarters with me while I'm drunk is fucking... Scary business, for sure. And those guys should get medals for the shit that they've put up with. So you're going to South America. Like, what sort of venues you be doing in South America? Um, Probably, like, just clubs, like 1,500, 2,000, 3,000. Just depends on what city. That's awesome. Yeah, it's rad. So what will, uh, uh, we got to wrap this up, what will a Pennywise tour look like from you in 2018? 19. 18, isn't it, still? Yeah, but it's almost over in like a month. Yeah, but when you're on tour, it'll still be 2018. Oh, you mean what will yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. South American tour look like? Yes, the one oh, it's gonna about look, to embark look on. It's going to look like churrascarias, like the Brazilian steakhouses. Uh-huh. Many of those we can hit. Uh-huh. Caparinhas, their, their traditional drink. I mean, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be raging. I mean, Brazil's super rad. The people, the fans are super rad. So some people will go back to the hotel room after the show and get a good night's rest mm-hmm. randy's sober now so he'll definitely be fucking in his rocking chair you know watching cnn or some shit but i'll be out late doing doing what i do or i probably won't go to bed before the next flight because the flight lobby calls are at like 7 a.m so i usually just roll in at seven yeah drunk sleep on the plane sleep on the plane could always be the last time you're in brazil right you gotta you, i mean that's the thing about life right you gotta live it like Every minute's the last, so within relative reason. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that you've uh, added that end to that statement. <laughs> and uh, I think we are out of time. I feel like I uh, feel like I get you, man. All right. And uh, we'll do that book. The book, yeah. The Statue book. of Limitations. <laughs> Coming out. Danger. 2047. Yes. Thank you, Fletcher Draggy. From, you're not on Twitter, right? Uh, I had an account, but I just I never got into it for some reason. I don't know why. No, good for you. You're not like so you must not be a stupid crazy phone guy. Um, whatever. In- you got everybody. Instagram. You, know, you do face- do that. I don't like Facebook at all anymore. But, but are I- you on it? Does your phone tell you how often? How much? No, you're on? fuck. I don't get notifications. I don't get any notifications. Fuck that. Oh, does it tell you how? Because I now they put a thing. You know your product is successful when it has to tell you to stop using it because it knows you're going to ignore uh, that, and that's like the new the new iPhone. Like, dude, you were on your phone for like fucking five hours yesterday. I'm not that deep in it. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, it's more about life. I respect that. I got a news feed like Smart News, which uh-huh. is pretty rad every yeah. morning. Just read that. Engaged. Find out what's up. Knowledgeable, talk, informed, talk informed breakfast table citizen. Yeah, voter. Voter. Yeah. Fuck yeah! All right, thanks, Fletcher. Uh, Never Gonna Die from Pennywise available now and of course for those of you listening in Brazil Chile and Argentina they're on their way cool peace